We're going to receive our offering, but before we do so, I've got a quick verse and a thought for you. It's in Genesis. We're going all the way back to the beginning. If you turn with me to Genesis chapter 4, it's actually the first recorded offering by a human being. There was actually a sacrifice that happened pre this, but, but God did that. When, when man sinned, there was an animal's life, a, an innocent animal that was, that was killed to make clothing to cover over man's nakedness. But uh, apparently we see this starting to happen in chapter 4, beginning with verse 1. Now Adam knew his, Eve, his wife, she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep. And Cain, a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering to, of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of the fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. That's the first recorded example of, of an offering being given. Now, we don't know what led up to this, obviously. We don't, you know, it doesn't say, well, God established offerings, and he said to do it this way, and he said to do it a certain way. He said don't, and he didn't say don't do it a certain way. But what we see is two different individuals bringing an offering. And one is accepted, one is recognized, and the other is not accepted, not recognized. And so you, without knowing what God had said ahead of time, all we can go with is God has a right to make the decision the way he wants to. And he decided that the way Cain brought the offering, or what he brought, or how he brought it, was wrong. And the way that Abel brought it was right. Now, right from the beginning, God establishes there's a right way and a wrong way to do things. And usually, I mean, if we, if we look at now the whole counsel of Scripture, we're talking about doctrine this year, and we look at, at uh, you know, God has a certain way of doing things, and He gets to make the rules because He's God, and we get to, then our job is to follow them. And whenever we don't follow them, there's consequences. And it doesn't matter what it is. Big things, little things. Whatever. There's consequences for obedience. There's consequences for pride. Usually, when sin is punished, when sin is acknowledged, when, when God points out that something is unacceptable, that sin, that it's because of pride. And we can see that with Cain. It's not just the offering, not just him getting ticked at the offering. We know what's about to happen. He's about to do Abel in because he's mad at Abel. You know, and, and Abel, I'm sure, knew it. He's, you know, I'm really, you know, he went to his parents and said, you know, I'm a little concerned about how you're raising Cain. <laughs> That's an old joke. I'm sorry. The old ones are good ones, though, aren't they? You just, you know, they, sorry. That was my own opinion. That was not doctrine. Okay, I just wanted to... 
But we see that something did happen there. And, and for some reason, Cain was not accepted and Abel was. And God said, that's sin. Sin is waiting. Temptation is waiting. So somehow Cain didn't do it right. I don't know what he did or didn't do. It may have been God told him only the fat of animals. And Cain said, no, I want to bring fruits and vegetables. That's what I do. I want to do it my way. Or he just didn't know what God wanted and brought... I mean, who knows? We don't know the, the specifics, but my guess is, you know, obviously, number one, God is righteous. God is a righteous judge, and what he, the decisions he makes are right. And my guess is, I mean, if I were to, to, to then read this and, and, and come away with an understanding is that Cain didn't do it the way God wanted to, he did it the way he wanted to. And that can happen today in everything. Oh, that's what sin is. I'm not going to do it God's way. I'm going to do it my way. And here, well, let's go back one. The first sin that's recorded was, I'm not going to do it God's way. I'm going to do it my way. I'm not going to not eat of that tree. I'm going to eat of that tree. Here, the second sin recorded is, I'm not going to bring offering the way I'm... The way. So here we have disobedience to God, and then God's dealing with offerings. Ooh, is it important to God? Yeah, it is. It is important. How we do things, the way we do it, if we do it biblically, if we do it the right way with the right heart attitude, and that's the other thing God's dealing with. Cain here is, he's dealing with his heart. When we do it with the right heart attitude, and we'll get into all those scriptures way off in the New Testament where it says, give with a glad heart. Give with anticipation. Give, give with joy. Be a joyous giver. Why? Because it has to do with our heart. Giving has to do with our heart. Does God need your money this morning? God, God can, in, he can bring us billions of dollars in the next 30 seconds if that's what his will was to do. But he's chosen to do it through people. The Bible, the, the verse that says that uh, you be blessed, pressed down, shaken together, overflowing shall men give unto your bosom it comes through people and everything every time we give it's a heart check that god says here's what i want you to do so that from now on it would sort of always been this way but from now on what i want people to do is not well what does pastor john expect it's not it has nothing to do with it what does the minister expect what is the minister telling me that i should do skip that hear the voice of god and obey it listen for god if he tells you to do something do it but when you have that opportunity just like just like cain had because sin was crouching to the door oh don't do it that way here do it this way it'll be okay i can fall back to my usual answer in these situations whatever you can get past god is fine with me <laughs> because he knows our hearts amen this is about heart. This is about giving as God leads. Amen? Let's pray. We'll receive the offering. Father, do thank you. Thank you, Lord, that you have given us understanding, given us precedent into your will, and that you have, you have revealed yourself, you have revealed uh, your purpose and plan for our lives. You've given us wisdom and understanding on how to live these lives. And so, Father, when it comes to this, when it comes to giving, Lord, I, I don't... You know my heart, 
the last thing in the world I would ever want to do is to force anybody to do anything. It's about free will. It's about choice. But Lord, I thank you that you have given us insight into how, how we're supposed to do these things. And so, Father, by your word, I pray that we will act in wisdom, act in knowledge, and act in understanding, and that we'll act rightly. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord, where we fall short. Help us where we, where, we, uh, where we can't do it ourselves, but, Lord, where you, only you, can do it through us correctly. Father, we give you this offering because it is truly an offering. It's a gift. It's an offering. It's a free will gift back to you. Because, Lord, everything we have is from you. We thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, if Bob and Debbie and Ed and, I'm sorry, never... Betty. Betty. Could you guys come on up? We'd like to pray for you and and, uh, bless you. Um, For those who have been a busy summer and haven't been here the last few weeks, we've been... We met... uh, uh, Bob a couple of weeks ago, and, and uh, God gave him a vision 26 years ago to do revival services, revival meetings along the Mississippi River, and uh, with a vision that as he does that, as, as he's obedient to that, that God is going to, to, to shake our nation, starting with the, the Mississippi River Valley and going in both directions, and that, interestingly, that lines up with what God has told us about the St. Croix River which goes not far as north. I think, I think uh, the Mississippi starts further north, doesn't it? I was going to be proud there for a second and say, well, at least we're farther north than you are. <laughs> Just, but we are, yes, but physically. But I'm just so blessed that God allowed us to be a part of this meeting, this, this time. And uh, I just, this morning as I was getting ready, I just felt like I was, we were supposed to pray for you. Amen? Could I have Wayne and Patty come up also? We'd like to have you guys pray with us and... Wayne and Patty were very instrumental, I mean extremely instrumental in putting everything together and, and doing all the logistics and, and uh, working behind the scenes and in front of the scenes and everywhere in between and being such a blessing. And, but we want to we bless them. They're heading back home down to uh, Darlington. Darlington, Wisconsin, down by the Illinois, Illinois border. And uh, so they are headed down there today, and we want to pray for safety, but I just also felt led to pray for them. Amen? Let's do that. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you so much for this gift that you have given to the body of Christ. Father, I thank you that you are operating just like you said you would do. You're using people that everybody else would discount. using them mightily to further your plans in this day. Father, I thank you for Bob. And I thank you for the call that you've placed on his life, which seems so crazy to him and makes no sense to other people. But Lord, you know the purpose. You know the plan. You know the plan better than any of us do, even Bob. Lord, you know what your plan is from this day forward. And Lord, if we knew what the end looked like, who knows, we probably wouldn't even take that first step. Father, thank you. Thank you, Father, for equipping him every day for what lies ahead. 
Father, I thank you that what he is today is only a shadow of who you have called him to be ultimately. That the giftings and anointings and callings on his life increase from this day forward. Father, I thank you for his obedience yesterday and his yieldedness to your spirit. And that as he took each step through that service yesterday, Lord, you were minister- he was ministering to hearts that even he didn't understand. Father, I thank you that that, that gifting, that gift of seeing and knowing increases in his life. That he sees even more clearly, step by step, exactly what he's supposed to do, when he's supposed to do it, and how. Father, I pray that the doors before him are open. Father, I pray that there are doors of effectual ministry open for him down the Mississippi River and maybe even up the Mississippi River as your will determines. Father, I thank you that there are people there waiting for him. Father, you've put heart cries in your people. Father, it's not, we know, it's not by accident, it's not by happenstance that we were hooked up together. Purpose attracts purpose. Plans attract plans. Anointing attracts anointing. And Father, I thank you that as he continues to obey you, as they, as as his team continues to obey you, that everything they have need of is met and exceeded. Father, I thank you that they lack no good thing. I thank you, Father, that everything, every person, every item, everything that, that your call requires is amply supplied to them. Father, I pray for even an increase in this team. Increase in the the workers that surround them, lifting their arms. Father, I thank you for a hedge of protection around them, that no weapon formed against them shall prosper. Father, we stand, and to be ready to, to pray as you lead, as you give us understanding, to pray for them as they continue to walk out this vision this goal. Father, we bless them in the name of the Lord. We bless them with everything that you have given us. Blessing them and honoring them, recognizing them for who you've called them to be. Thank you, Father, for this team. Thank you for allowing us to be a part of their lives and ministry. And I thank you, Father, that the days ahead are even more powerful, way more powerful than the days behind. Strength, strength, strength for the running, strength for the journey, and provision every step of the way. Father, I pray that you protect their marriages that you protect their families, 
that Satan has no inroad any way, shape, or form. That their path is flat. Their path is level. No holes, no potholes, no, no trip wires. Level, smooth, prepared ahead of them. Lord, we pray that wherever they go, a way is prepared before them. We thank you, Father, for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank amen. you, brother. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. At this time, I'd like to have the ushers uh, hand out offering envelopes again. Um, we're going to receive an offering for this ministry, and he never asked for one. He actually told me they didn't want one, but I'm the pastor. I can do whatever I want. <laughs> so we want to receive an offering for them. Just pray and ask God what to do. I know I didn't give you a heads up, and you already gave once this morning. We're not trying to make sure you're dry, empty and dried out before... Uh, before you leave. But as uh, it's good to be a part of what God's doing. And one of the ways we can be a part of what God's doing is financially and being a blessing to them. And because I'm John and I can't help it because it's just there, I just I keep hearing the old joke and we want to make sure they get out of town. And they... Uh, <laughs> I see, I can't help it. I, just, I heard that one time a minister was, was receiving an offering for a minister who was leaving town. He said, we just want to make sure they get on down the road. <laughs> no, we, we, uh, I actually look forward to hearing and being a part of what God's doing as he leaves, being a part of, of uh, whatever God has for the future. Amen? Amen. Just mark it out for a revival. Just put it in there. Nothing better to give towards than revival. Amen? Revival of the church. This morning we're going to talk a bunch about that in doctrine. Mark on your offering, on the offering envelope or on your check. Revival. Let's pray over that in the ushers. Let's uh, receive that offering. Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord for the gifting and calling and anointing that you have brought to us. And Father, we want to be a part of that. We want to be a part of blessing them. Be a part of the vision that you've given them. And Lord, this is another way to be a part of that. Father, we pray that as we give, every need that they have is met, exceeded, overly blessed, in every way, shape, and form. We thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn with me to John chapter 3, beginning with verse 1. Very well known, very known passage of Scripture. It says, Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. 
Jesus ch- cuts right to the chase, doesn't he? You know, this is one of those moments, there's, there's a bunch of these in the Bible where, you know, uh, an individual stands up and says, you know, here's what I need, Jesus, I want to talk to you about this situation, here's, here's what I'd like to discuss with you, and Jesus goes, well, yeah, but this. Here's one of them. Nicodemus is getting all warmed up, you know, he's, he's, he's greasing the rails here, he's, he's getting, he's getting uh, Jesus, you know, all built up. We know, Jesus, that you're a man of God, sent by God anointed by God. We're so glad you're here. And as he's breathing, Jesus says, unless a man be born again, he will not enter the kingdom of God. He cuts right to the chase. He doesn't even answer the question. Actually, there hasn't been a question yet. He just goes right for it. And what does he say? He says, unless a man be born again. So here's this born again thing. Years ago, I was Working out, I, I, as you know, I, I train, and now I'm an instructor for self-defense. You need that in a church, you know. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, I was training. I was, I was there for a, in, in New Orleans for a 10-day training. And uh, the self-defense that I train in is, is actually called, it's called Krav Maga. It's uh, Israeli-based. And what's interesting is it, it attracts a lot of Jewish people. And uh, my roommates down there happened to be four Jewish young men and one Muslim. And uh, being actually, and this is not a joke, usually everything is a joke, but it's not. (laughs) Usually I don't tell people what I do, because when you tell people what you do, it immediately, especially what I do, it stops all conversation, all meaningful conversation. So I don't tell anybody. And so we're driving down the road, and... uh, all of a sudden, it's about the third day into it. You know, we've been fighting for three days. We're all bruised and cut and, and having a great time, having a wonderful time. And all of a sudden, we're driving back to our house where we're staying, and one of the drivers, or one of the, the driver, turns to me, one of the young men turns to me and says, Hey, John, what do you do for a living? I said, Well, it's interesting you ask that. I usually don't tell people what I do. Now they now I really had their attention. <laughs> Why? What do you do? I said, well, I'm a pastor. <laughs> oh, you know. A what? A pastor? It was in, you know, here, I'll pat myself on the back. See, I, I, I get no crowns for this next line. And all of a sudden, he looks at me and he goes, I can see that. <laughs> what does that mean, Exactly. <laughs> But what was interesting about that is that night then we sat around the table having supper and we were talking about different things and the, and the discussion came back to that. All of a sudden the one guy says, what kind of a Christian are you? And I said, well, what do you mean by that? And he goes, are you a Lutheran? Are you Baptist? What, what kind of, you know, I've always wondered about this Christianity thing because these are good Jews. These are good Hebrews. You know, they're good Israelis. And he goes, I've always, what kind of Christian are you? I said, well, I guess the best way, and all of a sudden he just, he butts and he goes, you're not one of those born again types, are you? (laughs) And I I smiled and laughed. I said, you know, actually I am. And they all sat up. And I was ready for anything. Because right about then you can get almost anything. You know, you could get attacked. And the guy who asked the question goes, Oh, good. I've always wanted to talk to a born-again guy. What does it mean to be born again? 
open the door wide open. <laughs> Set up a great opportunity for me to preach a sermon. And for the rest of the night, hours, we sat around that table and talked about the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's beautiful. Even the next morning, the Muslim guy says to me, and he goes, you know, he says, my wife is a Christian. And my first thought is, must not be a very good one, and you must not be a very good Muslim. <laughs> if you're a Muslim and she's a Christian, and he goes, I called her last night and told her, your prayers are being answered, I'm rooming with a, with a Christian. <laughs> he said, why don't you ride with me to the gym today? He says, maybe you can convert me. And, you know, you just got billions of things racing through your mind at that time. And we get in the car, and I said to him, I said, here's the deal. I can't convert you. All, you can, all, all I can do is tell you the truth. You have to convert. You have to make that decision. But what do you tell somebody at that moment when the door is wide open? When they open the door and they ask you the right question at the right time with the right heart even, they weren't being combative. They wanted to know real answers. Later in that week, my instructor, these guys went, went and told the instructor, who is an Israeli from Israel, he's a pastor. And his, his answer was, you're a what? And one of the guys yelled across the room, yeah, he's not like one I ever figured I'd meet. <laughs> but that guy said, explain to me Christianity. He says, because us Jews, they give us so many rules, we can't do anything wrong. Interesting, huh? Things haven't changed in 2,000 years. He says, they give us so many rules, so many things to do. He goes, what do I have to do to become a Christian? My goodness, open door, insert gospel. It's beautiful. What do you say at that moment when somebody gives you an opportunity to share the gospel, but you know you have this much time to say it in? What do you say? Now, you see all the notes, but after last week, remember I said we're not going to do, I'm not going to read through the notes anymore. I'm just going to share my heart. It's going to have all that stuff in it, but if you want more information, that gives you all of the detailed information of what people need to know to become a Christian. Not to be a Christian, but to become one. How do you make that step from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light? How does that work? What, needs, what do they need to know? What is absolutely vital? Because an interesting thing, on the second time I was down there, the, the second 10 days, we had a break at lunch and we went down to uh, Jimmy John's. We went down to Jimmy John's, it was just a walk down from where we were, and we were going to have lunch and we all come walking in. Same guys, I roomed with the same guys the second 10 days. And as I walk in, every table has somebody at it. And everybody, and, there's, and a couple table has one person sitting at the table. Doesn't that just irk you unless it's you then you want i want my table you know but here we are we're tired we're hungry we don't have time so i'm looking around and i look at one table that has six chairs 
and one person sitting in one of the middle chairs, and he just happened to have a, a, a scripture verse across his back, and I said, I'm sitting with him. We're all sitting with him. Because they're all like, well, let's go back to the gym. I said, no, no, no. Let's sit down. So I walk over to the guy. I said, can we sit with you? And here's, you know, you got five guys all sweaty with Krav Maga. We'll kill you and then ask questions later. <laughs> and we ask you to sit down. What is your answer going to be? Sure. Here, ask us. Go ahead and sit down. So we're sitting there, and I don't, we're just eating, not talking. All of a sudden, he looks over, and he looks at my shirt, and he, looks, he says, hey, I can read your shirt. I look up, I said, what does it say? And he says, it says Krav Maga. He says, I'm a seminary student at the theological center down here, at the theological Bible school down the street. He says, do you know much about Krav Maga, Israel? How much do you know? I said, quite a bit. It's Israeli, this and that. And he starts to witness to me. Because he doesn't know that I'm a pastor. And so being the fun-loving guy I am, I don't, ask, I don't tell him what I do. I start asking him questions. I said, do you really believe that stuff? He sees a wide open door. He goes, well, yes I do. I absolutely believe. I said, really? And I'm thinking, what a great opportunity for this guy to witness to four heathens. So I don't tell him what I do. I just keep asking questions. I said, really, what, what is it about that that makes you believe it? And he goes into a 20-minute dissertation, theological dissertation, about who God is and why we should believe. And he just completely goes in a direction and never comes to the answer. I'm thinking, give us the answer, man. Give us the answer. And he just kept going theologically into this and theologically into that. And it was all good stuff. It was true. But I never did tell him who I was. We got up and walked out. And one of the young men, one of the Jewish young men, as we're walking back, as I didn't say anything, we're walking, all of a sudden he looks at me and he goes, you're mean. <laughs> I said, why do you say that? And he goes, you just wanted to see what he had. <laughs> and I said, actually, that is what I was doing. I just wanted to see what he had. He goes, man, that's mean. He said, that's so mean. <laughs> And then all of a sudden, as we're walking, he, all of a sudden he stops, he looks at me and he goes, he blew it, didn't he? Wow. And I said, yeah, he blew it. What would you say, he said to me? <sighs> Talk about open door. Insert gospel. The world out there is ready for an answer, an, a true answer of what must I do to be saved. That's what this is all about. And not, I mean, yeah, okay, we're going into theology. Why? Why is it important that we go into the deep theological understanding of it? Because there's a whole bunch of people out there who think that born again, saved, going to heaven is, is, is something completely different. It's so far off of what it actually is, you can't even recognize it anymore. But it also looks good. Hey, I'll sign up for that if that's all I have to do, if that's all it is. Sure. So what would you have said in that situation? And I, I, that, this moment right here, this question is, I believe, the very reason that we don't witness more. Because number one, we don't want to blow it. Number two, we don't have, what do we have to say? What do people need to hear? What do we need to know? But also, 
We want to make it real. I mean, I know you people. You want to make this real. You want to give people a real answer, not just a, an answer that, that just pleases their ears and, and then they can just go on their way and never change, never, never live differently. It's, it's important to you. I understand that. So what do we need to know? What is it that we need to let people know so that they can be truly saved? Number one is the next line down here. Salvation is the Holy Spirit's work of illumination. Enabling the recipient to understand the true meaning of the gospel. If you think it's you, you're going to have trouble. If you think that what, what they... What, if you think that, that it, it all hinges on what you say, you're wrong. So that's number one. You know, we don't say something because we're afraid of saying something wrong. It doesn't matter. Do the best you can with what you have. God set up the moment for that close enough. But the Bible also says, study to show yourself approved. Study. Get the, get the skills. Get the understanding. What do we need to know? I'm going to give you the answer here today. I'm going to give you the answer. It's not tough. It's so easy. Any of us can do it. I'm not the most skilled person talking interpersonally with an individual that I don't know. Somebody I don't know. Somebody I know, great, I can talk to you. We have, we have common understandings. I, I can blow through that. But somebody I don't know, I can't just walk up to somebody. Vern can walk up to the most un, 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 you know, unusual person in the world and immediately is talking to them about their heart and their soul. Praise God, that's the gift of the evangelism. But I don't do that. i got to know somebody. But in this moment, I'd only known him for a few days. What do you say to somebody when they say, what would you have said? What, what, what do I have to be, to, what do I have to know, or what do I have to do to be saved? Well, number one, it's the Holy Spirit. You rely upon the Holy Spirit absolutely 100%, everything you are, going, God, tell me what to do. Tell me what to say. Tell me Show me. I don't know what I have. Here, how can I reach that person? Because this person is completely different than this person. What this person needs to hear is completely different than what that person needs to hear. Because God knows their heart. God knows what's inside of them. God knows what they need to hear to touch their heart. Remember when Peter was, was witnessing to the crowd. And it says they were cut to their heart. That's what we want. And the only way that happens is by the Holy Spirit. He puts words into your mouth, you say them out. But there's some, there's some bottom line stuff that, that they need to know. The first thing is that we're all sinners. They need to know. We needed to know. An individual who is in the kingdom of darkness first has to recognize that they can't be good. You'll find this in the notes. It gives the deep theological discussion of why they have to understand you're not perfect. You're bad. That night when I was sitting around the table, the first thing I said is, oh, here's the deal. I said, the Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We're all messed up. And I said, you guys are Jews. You got rules, all kinds of rules. You got, you got all this understanding. Are you guys perfect? No, we're not perfect. I turned to the Muslim guy. He was a nice Muslim guy. He wasn't one of the kill you at first and then, you know. And anyway, he's smaller than me. I could have took him. Uh, 
I said, are you perfect? He goes, oh, no, I'm not perfect. I said, exactly. We can't do this. You know, I said, I'm not trying to dis- disrespect your, what your belief is or whatever, but I said, your belief is that if you do enough good things, that somehow you're going to earn your way to heaven. Both of you believe that. Can you do it? And they went, no, we can't do that. I said, exactly. None of us can. You know, I, I'm still not perfect. We're still working on this, this uh, uh, sanctification thing that we talked about last week. We're all working in that direction. But number one, we're not good. We're not good. Human beings are not good. When your child was first born, that baby did not come out good. That baby was born with sin. In a, with a sin nature in a sinful world. Now that's hard to think of. It's hard to, hard to you know, be faced with that because you know, people already have a complex. People already think they're, they're bad and they're terrible. You know, they don't need one more person saying you are sinful. And how you say it is really important. You know, there's two ways to, to tell somebody there's a sin issue. One is, you're going to burn! <laughs> I've seen those guys. They turn me off. I'm a Christian and they turn me off. Or you can tell somebody, you know, here's the deal. We're all in this together. None of us are perfect. Some are less perfect than others, but, you know, we're all in this together. But they, we, people need to know, you know what? You can't save yourself. You can't be good enough. You can't earn your way by doing enough good things for God to say, oh, okay, you tried hard, come on in. Because, like Cain, there's a way to do this. God set up a rule. He said, here's the criteria. Here's what you have to do. And he didn't say, well, however you get here, just get here. He didn't say that. He said, there's going to be one way. In the Genesis, it says that the seed of the woman will crush your head. He was talking to Satan and he says he'll bruise his heel, but he will bring salvation. He'll bring redemption. From the very beginning, there was one way and that one way was revealed to us when Jesus was born in Bethlehem. There is no other name under heaven by which men might be saved other than Jesus Christ. That's the second thing that people need to know. There is no other way was one of the questions they asked me that night. They said, oh, so if you're born again, what you're saying is that all the rest of us are going to hell, that that all the rest of us are wrong, and you're the only one who's right. I said, that's a fair question. That is an absolute fair question. I said, let me ask you a question, since you just asked me a question. You notice that Jesus asked a lot of questions? Let them come to their own decision. I said, that's a great question. I said, number one, I said, you Jewish guys, you Jewish guys, I said, do you think you're the only way? Do you think that you're, you, you're the only religion that has the right answer? Yeah. And I said, I didn't call him the Muslim guy. <laughs> I said, <clears throat> I'm trying to remember his name. That's the worst part. I'll remember, I remember it, but just have this moment. I can't remember his name right now. <laughs> I said, Muslims, you, you think you have the only way? And he goes, yeah, we, we think we're the only way. I said, hey, we're all in this together then, aren't we? 
We all think we're the only ones who have the right answer. There's only one of us who's right. Are you willing to base your eternity that you're right? Because I am. Did you feel the anointing? God's demonstrating this as we're doing it, you know? Because there's an anointing that comes with the Word of God, with the truth of the Word of God. You don't have to say anything profound. What I just said was not profound. It just happened to be what God told me to say. That's what you do. You say what God tells you to say. Know the truth. Know what, know what the, the, the facts are. But then say it however you say it. You don't have to say it like me. But there's an anointing on the truth of the Word of God. That's where the Holy Spirit does His part. So they need to know they're, you know, hey, we're not perfect. We're all in this together. But number two, there's only one way to get to heaven. They can argue with that. They can draw the line there. They can stop the conversation if they want to. That's okay. Because you didn't fail. You need to know that. If somebody shuts you down, you are not failing. Because they've been shutting Jesus down for 2,000 plus years. If they shut you down, that's their deal. I tell the story about the guy that, you know, right after I, I came back to the Lord and, and, and I, I wanted to serve him and I, I was sitting in my room one night all by myself because you know, no, all my friends, no, I had no friends. And I was reading some stuff and, I, you know, that, that moment where, you know, God says to you, will you follow me? Yes, Lord, I will do anything you tell me to do anytime you tell me to do it. I'll go where you tell me to go. I'll do what you tell me to do. I'll say what you tell me to do. I'll do it. Just send me, God. He goes, great. Pick up some tracks. You know, I had a a bag, it's a box of tracks. Grab those tracks, go up to the strip joint uptown, stand outside and hand out tracks. Oh, God, anything that you want me to do. Would God ask you to just drop everything right now, go grab a box of tracks and go up to the strip joint uptown, stand outside... looking away from the building and hand out tracks. Sure he would. Sure he would. Absolutely. Would you go? That's the question. The question is, would you go? You know, I just sat there and said, oh God, anything. I mean, how do you say, okay, well, anything but that. I mean, come on, no. It was cold that night. Windy. Cold. Okay, I had never done anything like that ever, ever. And it was only like a month out from when I used to hang out at a place like that. It wasn't exactly. <laughs> so I go uptown. It's cold. I put on a, ca- a, joke, a jacket and I come and get and I stand in front of the place and I got a handful of tracks and okay, and here come all these people that I used to see every Friday night, every Saturday night, come walking by. I'm a freak. I'm a freak. Oh, God, why would you be? Why have thou said, you know? Oh. First one that came by was a guy. He came out of the bar. Huge guy. I'm big. He's huge. Biker. All black. Drunk. I hand out. I, I say, hey, buddy, wanna, I have something for you. He takes it, standing right here. Oh, 
oh, you're one of them blankety-blank Christians. Boom, throws it in my chest, and he staggers off down the street. Rejection. As soon as he took two steps, the Holy Spirit said he'll remember that on the day of judgment. Next person that comes by. Guy comes around the corner. I'm standing here against the wall. He comes around the corner. Drunk, man. This guy's all... He, had, he was drunk before he got to the bar. You remember those days. And he was walking down the street. And he's staggering down. He's looking at the ground. He gets right up to me and I said, Hey, man, I got something for you because I recognized him. I know who he was. He was one of my friends. And he turns, he stops, he looks at me. Whoa! Neats, man, where have you been? I haven't seen you forever. Whoa. And I said, well, I just want to let you know, I said, I'm a Christian now. And I said, I just believe that Jesus Christ loves you and that he has a plan for your life. He goes, whoa, well, I know I'm drunk now. Okay. (laughs) And he goes inside. Many people passed by that night. All kinds of people passed by that night. One of them I remember, because there was a girl I had gone to school with. I didn't know her name. She was a grade or so ahead of me, and she came by, and she was with a whole crowd, and I just handed out tracks. Finally that night, I handed all the tracks out. I was done, felt released, went home, went to bed, end of night. Next morning, I woke up, went to church. I'm sitting in church thinking, God, did that have any bearing whatsoever? Did that have any fruit? I mean, come on. I made some people laugh. I got cold. But did anything really happen? And just then the door opened up and that girl walked through the back of the room. It's our job to sow seed. If they reject you, that's their deal. All you have to do is talk. All we have to do is be salt and light. But they need to hear the words. The, it, the words are powerful. They need to hear. So we need to know what to say. Number one, we need to know, they need to know, hey, they're not perfect, we're not perfect, but we need a Savior. We need someone to save us. Number two, it's the Holy Spirit. He takes care of it. He says it. And that Jesus is the only way. Mohammed won't get you there. Hare Krishna will not get you there. Whatever personal God you decide to worship because you just got to pick a higher power or whatever and you're going to do that isn't going to get you to heaven. It's only through the name of Jesus Christ. There is no other name under heaven by which men might be saved. And that name is Jesus. The second thing is they have to believe. What do they have to believe? It's all outlined here. I tell you what they have to believe. It's it's the, the biblical answer for what do they have to believe. Bottom line, this is what they have to believe. Write this down. This is the cheat sheet. This is what you don't have to pay any extra for. I'll give you the answer to the test. The answer to the test is they first have to believe that Jesus Christ is who he said he was. And Jesus said, that he was the only begotten of the Father. He was sent from heaven. That he was born of a virgin. That he, all these things we were, we've been talking about this year so far, they have to know, they have to understand that what the Bible says, how God has revealed himself is true, and they have to actually believe it. Because if you don't believe that, 
then whatever you do outwardly, whatever you say, has no power. The power comes from who he is. It's not because you say the right words. It's about who he is. And if, you, if they don't know who he is, then there's no power there to save. It's believing. They have to believe. And that's, remember when the, the, the jailer was found the, the prison empty or you know, all the chains had fallen off, the doors were open, he thought everybody had escaped. They said, hey, don't kill yourself. What must I do to be, to be saved? He says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. That was the first answer. The answer is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything that goes along with it, that's a quick, easy headline to say, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. But you believe in who he said he was. You believe in what he said he did. You believe what he did at the cross. When did the disciples get saved? Because they believed, he, you know, Peter believed that he was the son of God before he died. But when did Peter get saved? After he died on the cross. It's believing all of it. It's believing God is who he says he is. Jesus is who he says he is. Now, how long does it take to explain that? That may be a a tough one. That may be a little tricky one. Because there may be some people who grew up in church and they've never made the decision, they've never decided to to commit their life to God, to to get saved. And they've got all kinds of knowledge that all they need is the, the button pushed. But then there's the people who don't know anything. And you have to give them enough understanding for them to make a real decision. And, and that could be done in 30 seconds. There was a man named Jesus. He said that he was God. He believed, he said that he was God. He died for your sins. Those sins we talked about a few minutes ago that you're not perfect. He died for those sins. And on his resurrection, he's the only person in history who has ever been resurrected. When he was resurrected, he said, anybody who calls on me, anybody who believes in who I am and, and, and puts their life out there, and we'll talk about that in a second, you're saved. That may be all they need. Because the Holy Spirit's working. You don't have to have a deep theological understanding of every step, that everything that he went through. But the more the better. Study. Study to show yourself approved. So you have all the, all the tools. Uh, Paul says that in the New Testament. He says that a preacher has all kinds of tools in his toolbox. You, can, you never know what you're going to use. I never witnessed the same person the same way twice, or to two different people the same way as the other guy, because every person's different. I may say something to one person, it means nothing to them, but uh, this person is going to mean everything to. That's where the Holy Spirit guides you. Give them whatever amount of knowledge they need to have to make a real decision and here's the hard part some people it may take a period of time some people you can witness to one moment and they're saved boom somebody else it may take time it may take weeks it may take months because they need more my father-in-law for years, asked questions and questions. I wasn't there, but Debbie tells the story about... He, for years, he asked pastors questions. He had to go to church. His wife made him go to church. Okay. Is there fruit from your wife making you go to church? Yes. <laughs> but he, may, he asked questions, asked questions, you know, challenged. He was a thinker. He's a deep thinker. And he's asking... And one day, he's sitting in his chair and goes, Yep, that's what it is. Done. Boom. But it took time. It's okay. Time is okay. I know it hurts us. And we think, you know, if Jesus comes back next minute, what happens? That's his deal. You be faithful. You love that person. Build relationship. Do what you have to do to be able to speak into their lives. But you've got to give them enough information 
about who Jesus is. And, you know, you run into that person someday at the wherever, and you say, you know, they ask a question. I could tell you another story, but uh, real quick. I was at Cub. I was at Cub one day, and I'm going through, we're getting pay and stuff, and I don't like talking to people at Cub. Because I, I get there, I shop, I get out. That's my, that's my goal. I don't want to talk to anybody. Do not bother me. Do not hold me back. <laughs> I'm in the checkout line. And they, you know how they, they used to give you this coupon for so much off your gas? You know, they used to give it. And I just, and I just, I laid it up on the counter because I just did that. I don't do coupons. I didn't go to that gas station. I should, baby, but, but I don't. <laughs> so I, I took, I took the receipt off. I laid it up on the counter. I said, give it to the next person. And the next person in line behind me goes, thank you. Oh, I always use these things because I am so scared about how bad the world is today. Open door, insert gospel. But you know, that was one of those times where I was busy and I was in a hurry. I didn't want to talk to anybody. Okay, but I should about the gospel, right? Okay, I'm human. Forgive me. I turned to her and I said, it's pretty bad, isn't it? She goes, yeah, we, got, we started a conversation. I watered. Took the time. Takes time got to give them enough information they need to know that they're not perfect they need to know the only name under heaven by which man might be saved is jesus the second the third thing they need to know is that who jesus is who is he the third thing is you have a decision to make now that you have this information you have a decision to make that night around the table, we talked for hours. They asked all kinds of questions. I, gave, I only answered their questions and gave them information based on their questions because I was fishing. And when you fish, you don't rip the heads off of every fish that bites the hook. My dad taught me sometimes you let them chew on the hook for a while until they get so deep they can't let go. And I know I'm going to see these guys again. I already have some of them. And when we get together, there's questions. I was just on Facebook yesterday with a, with a guy. He's one of the instructors. He's an he's a, uh, Israeli uh, level three expert. He fights for the Israeli army. Amazing guy. We got into a conversation. He's coming here again in December. Opportunity. Fishing. But they have to come to a decision. Now there's a decision. You need to make a choice. Do you choose to believe it or do you choose to reject it? Your choice. Do you want to know the absolute truth? The absolute truth is this. I've had more people reject the invitation than accept it. For one full year after I came back to the Lord, for one full year, I wanted to witness to everything that moved, and even if it didn't, I'd give it a shove and then witness to it. <laughs> for one full year, I shared my faith with everybody, my friends, my, you know, my co-workers, whoever would, would listen, I'd share my faith. And you know how many people God allowed me to lead to the Lord in that first year? Rejected, rejected, rejected. Sometimes I got rejected in some really funny ways, but I can't share those because there was swearing involved. <laughs> rejected. But they weren't, you know, ever, ever read that verse? They're not rejecting you, they're rejecting me. I lived there for a year. 
And one day, I was actually working with Youth for Christ. I was volunteering for Youth for Christ. We had this little Bible study. (laughs) I still remember the little kid sitting across from me. We're going through the Bible study, and he starts asking questions. Well, what about this? I'd answer the question. Well, what about that? I'd answer the question. He says, all right, I'm ready. I'm like, you're ready for what? Well, I want to get saved. You do? I rejoiced forever for after that one. 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 Woo! I don't, my first thought, very carnal. I'm not going to get to heaven and Jesus said, you didn't have one? That was exactly what I thought. Woo! I got one. Praise God. But I've been rejected more than I've been accepted. Okay, that's fine. It's okay. Because it's not my deal. It's God's deal. I do my part. He does his part. And his part is saving people. But we bring them to a decision. Hey, what do you think about this? I had one guy tell me one time, he says, John, and I've been witnessing to him for actually a couple of years. I've told the story here. I'm not going to tell you. He's the, he's the funny one who thought Jesus came as a space alien. He just, he liked to push my buttons. I'd, he'd say, well, what about this? I'd give him the biblical answer. He'd go, I don't believe that. This is what I believe, and it was just stupid. <laughs> but he was pushing my buttons. So I knew that I was going to be leaving, he was going to be leaving, and so I, the, one day we were sitting around eating lunch, and I said, and he asked some questions, so okay, the conversation's on, and I said, you know, here's the deal, man. You have to make a decision. We could talk forever, but it comes down to a decision. You have to decide whether you believe this or not. And then you have to act upon it. That's the other part we're going to get to in just a second. Number one, you believe it, but number two, you act upon it. And I said, where are you at? And he put down his, his fork, and he got very serious. One of the few times he got serious with me, he goes, here's the deal, John. He says, I believe what you're telling me. I believe it. I believe it's true. I believe all of it. But I'm not willing to change my life right now. And I looked at him, I said, hey, man, I said, I understand that. I respect that. I respect the fact that you're thinking it through and that you're making a decision. Now, I wish you'd make the other one, but that's Okay. You do that when you're ready. And that was one of the last times I saw him. It was shortly after that. He left for a different job. I went to, started becoming a pastor over at Abundant Life. It wasn't for years later. Still have, I've still not met him. I've still not seen him since that day. But I was hanging out with another friend of mine who I didn't know knew him. He, I didn't know that they knew each other. It was a mutual acquaintance. And he said, you know, I, said, I was talking to Clint the other day. You know, there's only so many Clints in the world. And he goes, I was talking to Clint the other day, and he's playing in this Christian band over in the Twin Cities. At, number one, at first I thought, who in the world are you talking about? He goes, you know, Clint. I was like, the only Clint I know isn't playing in no Christian band, as far as I know. And he goes, you know, the guy that you were, used to work with out at the YMCA, Camp YMCA. And I said, Clint is playing in a Christian band? Was that me? Is, that, is he saved? And he goes, oh yeah, he's been saved for a couple of years. Really? Dirty dog. Can God close the deal even if you're not there? Absolutely. Some plant, some water, some, some reap. Praise God for the people who got to reap. It's fun to reap. We love to reap. But it's also fun to sow seed. Setting it up for the future. But he, was, he rejected. I believe it, but I don't want to change who I am. I don't want to change my life. That's okay. Okay, make that decision. But be ready, you can make that choice anytime. 
So they have to believe. So once they believe, now comes the part. The Bible says, Jesus said, unless a man take up his cross daily and follow me, you can have nothing. You live your life from this point out, this point on, for Jesus Christ. That's the hard part. That's the part that starts tomorrow morning. Now, none of these steps, none of them, from the first to the last, do we get to judge. None of us gets to judge if anybody truly understands that they're not saved. That's between them and God. I can't tell whether you actually be. You might, you might, I've, I've known people in churches who have been here for years and don't get it. That's why we keep talking about it every so often. Because there's, there's people that you don't, and you think they got it, but they don't get it. You must understand, you're not perfect. You can't get there by being good. And you can't get there by coming to this church every week. Coming to this church every week does not make you a Christian. There's only one thing that makes you a Christian, and that's Jesus Christ. What you do with Jesus. Number two, believing that he's the only way and that this is who he is. This is what he, this is what he, we have to believe. But then we must live our life. The theological term, if I can look it up real quick here, because I want to be absolutely accurate. Oh, oh, here we go. Repentance. We have to repent from our sin. Read all of that. But repentance basically doesn't mean, oh, I feel bad for what I did. I feel so bad. I'm so sorry. No. It means it is an emotional repentance. I am, I am sorry for my sins, but now I'm going to change. I'm going to live differently. That's God's deal too. You can't make somebody repent. The, the great example in your notes, there's two different people that repented, that had remorse, that, you, that it talks about that they repented. One of them was Judas. You know the Bible says that he repented, but then he killed himself? The repented that, he, that it says that he did there, was, he felt so bad about what he did that he killed himself. Was he saved? We don't know. We don't know. But the implication is, that is not repentance. Repentance is not just, I feel horrible about myself, so I'm going to do something terrible. Because people can do that anytime they want. That's not salvation. Repentance is, you feel so bad about it, you confess it to God and say, God, I am sorry. This is, I'm going to change the way I live from this day forward. That's what Peter did. Remember Peter uh, denied Christ? It says that he repented, and his repentance was, okay, I'm going to live differently now. I'm going to go in a different direction. I'm going to live my life differently. That's true repentance. You are so adamant about your, your belief that I'm going to change now. Life is going to be different by the help of the Holy Spirit. We have to have faith. We have to believe that what Jesus did on that cross is not just believing because it says the, the, the demons believe. But it doesn't mean that they're saved. You have to believe it, but then you put your faith in it. When do you stand? That question that everybody always asks. When you stand before God, what are you going to say? There is only one answer. It's because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. I'm putting my faith in what he did. That's it. Faith. And then, regeneration. And that's absolutely 100%. All of it is Jesus' deal. Changing you day to day. That's what we talked about 
last week with sanctification, that it's his process, it's his deal. Just because uh, John gets saved today and tomorrow he goes out and sins again doesn't mean he's not saved. It means he's being sanctified. He's being changed. We're all going through that. So that person, all it is is a, is a heart decision. I'm going to live differently and they purpose to head in that direction. What must I do to be safe? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Put faith in Him and what He did on, on that cross and purpose to live your life towards Him. And that, it isn't, it isn't a, in any way, shape, or form, we can't judge that. I can't judge Pastor Greg. I know, I've known Pastor Greg probably longer the only one longer than Debbie is Carrie. And I met her three days before I met him. And I can't judge him. Don't want to judge him. There's no way we can, we can't judge each other. But all we know is you, you present an opportunity for someone to believe, put their faith in Jesus Christ, and then live differently, repent and live differently. And that then becomes God's deal from that day forward. That's how you got here. That's how I, it's not deep theologically hard. It's a conversation between friends. It's a conversation between acquaintances. For them to hear the gospel and to be able to make a choice. It's a choice. Let's stand. Communion. Completely forgot about communion. Could the ushers get ready for communion, please? I was so blessed last night, yesterday afternoon, as Bob was sharing, and he asked the question, what is revival? What is revival? And the answer, I mean, we all have our answer of what we think revival is, but I really enjoy, I really was blessed by what you said. That it's, it's, it's coming back, it's the church coming back to our first love. It's the church coming back to our first love. We can't get saved again, but we can come back to that first love. Remember when you first came to Jesus Christ. Do you remember the joy? Do you remember the, the, the wonder, the excitement, the feeling of, I'm not dying anymore. I'm not spiritually dying anymore. We need to go back. The church, us, we need to go back to that first love. But if you're not a part of the body of Christ, you're not sure, you don't know for sure if you're a part of the body of Christ. You don't know if you're in. You don't know if you're saved. You don't know if you're born again. Then it's easy. It really is. All you have to understand is you can't do it yourself. You can't. Number two, you have to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You have to believe in who He is, what He said, and what He did. Put your faith in that. I can't get to there any other way than what Jesus did on the cross. That's my only way. Then, repent. Lord, I'm sorry for my sins. I'm going to live differently from this day forward. And heading in that direction allowing Him to change you one day at a time.
and you're saved. You're born again. The Bible says you can know that you have eternal life. If you don't know that you have eternal life, if you're not sure, if you're not locked in, then this morning I want to give you that choice. Make those steps. Choose those decisions. Choose to believe. Choose to put your faith in Jesus Christ. Choose to repent, to change the way you think, change the direction you're headed, and live differently. And that's just a simple prayer. And I've said this so many times, you could say it back to me. I have a friend that said, Jesus, yes. And his life changed. Or if you have more you need to say, say that. But this morning, as we celebrate communion, as we celebrate what Jesus did on the cross, he told us that as often as we do this, do this in remembrance of him. So this morning, I want us to all remember. Remember what your life was like before Christ. Don't dwell there too long. Because then remember what your life was like immediately after you met Christ. After you became a Christian. That's that first love. We need to get back to that. We need to get back to Him being the center of everything that we are. Doing it His way, not our way. Listening to His Spirit and obeying, not listening to our pride and our, our stubbornness. So this morning, if you want to make that decision, do it right now. You can do it right now. You don't have to wait for an altar call. You don't have to wait for a second invitation. You make that choice right now. And then tell somebody about it. Jesus said, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before, before the holy angels. Tell somebody this morning. Tell somebody you came with. Tell one of these folks up front because once you make that decision, the Bible says you can worthily take, receive communion. Tell me, tell somebody here, tell an usher, tell anybody. This is what I did this morning. I need to let you know. And over the last couple of years, I've heard many testimonies of people who you brought that on the way home they said, Hey, by the way, I made this choice today. Praise God. That's what this is all about. As we receive communion, the Bible says that on the night he was betrayed, which was the day before he died on the cross, he took the bread and he said, this is my body broken for you. He knew what was going to happen. He knew that his body was going to be destroyed that day. Beaten spit on, kicked, whipped thorns crushed into his skull you name it, shed blood blood all over the place messed up, the guy was beaten with inches of his life and then they hung him on a tree where he died he said this is my body broken for you as often as you do this do this in remembrance of me and then it says at the end of the meal, he took the cup.
This is my shed blood, the blood of the new covenant. This blood is being shed for the remission of sins, all sins forgiven, all sins in the past forgiven, all sins in the future forgiven. As often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Make a commitment this morning to return to your first love. Make a commitment this morning to, if you're not in the kingdom, to enter the kingdom of God. By the only way you can, and that is what we just explained, a choice, a free will choice, your decision to accept or reject Christ, to accept Him, to repent, and to move forward. When you do that today, you can celebrate this meal. Father, we come before you and we thank you, Lord God, that you made a way where there was no way. That you sent your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, to die on that cross for every sin that any one of us ever has had or ever will have. And then you rose again, victorious over sin, firstborn among many. Father, I continue to put my hope, my trust, my faith in you. That what saves me is no different than what saves anybody else. What you did on the cross for me was what I needed. Father, I celebrate with with this meal today, this communion meal. We celebrate the life that you have given us. Thank you for it, Father. We praise you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.